going to have a really deep conversation, not just on how to not create trauma in your business, but also on what it means to have good business practices in place in order to not do that. And we're going to have this conversation with Andy Wright, LMFT, and she is the founder of Evergreen Counseling right in the Bay Area, right? Correct. Yes. Yes. So let's talk a little bit first about your story. Like what, how did your experience, how did you get to this, you know, successful group practice owner and and then let's talk after that about what's going on. <laughs> I'm so excited to be here with you. And I'm so happy we're talking about all of these wonderful juicy things. So thank you for having me. You're welcome. Um, sure. Well, by way of introduction, I'll start off by saying I'm sort of the penultimate example of what's professional is personal. I came to be mm. a trauma therapist because of my own work recovering from a relational trauma history, childhood abuse, childhood neglect. I did not know that at the time. It all caught up with me in the 20s. And when I experienced mm -hmm. profound effects of going into therapy and starting to uh, work on my past and recover from the trauma, that's when I knew, you know, gosh, I want to do this myself. Like this is, this is a way to make meaning of my past. And also it felt like the most meaningful and fulfilling career choice I could make. So mm -hmm. coming a clinician, I did decide to scope down and focus really on relational trauma recovery. And that's what I'm known for. So relational trauma recovery, um, I do my best work in the world with those who are raised by mood or personality disordered parents as I was. And, mm -hmm. um, I'm still a practicing clinician today. It, I do specialize in EMDR therapy as well. It's sort of the power tool in my clinical toolbox to treat relational trauma. And we can talk more about that, certainly. Yes. Yeah. So, um, and then in 2019, so I've, I've been a clinician for quite some time. I've been a mental health writer, publishing every two weeks on my own blog since, gosh, spring of 2015. Um, I launched and created my own uh, online course with um, that focuses on my content area of expertise. And then in February 2019, so four years ago when my daughter was three months old, um, I launched a therapy center called Evergreen Counseling, which is a boutique trauma-informed therapy center located here in Berkeley, the heart of the Bay Area, but serving clients all over California. Uh, today, mm -hmm. I have team of 22 W2 staff members, um, including 18 trauma-trained clinicians. And I myself am still a practicing clinician within the center, and I have four members of an operational team. So I've got a pretty dynamic, busy, full career, and every piece of my work in the world uh, revolves around helping those who are, uh, come from adverse childhoods have beautiful adulthoods despite those adverse early mm. Oh my God. I love how you said that. That was so good. Yeah. Yeah. You start with that adverse childhood, but that doesn't mean you can't have a beautiful adulthood. You just need a guide, right. To, to move you through that journey so you can get to the other side. Oh, yeah. yeah. That is so good. Yeah. So be that guide for a lot of people. I love mm, that. You're right. Yes. So you gave us so much to work with right there. Okay. So some of what you talked about what that I want to go back to is I call it like an alternative healing modality, right? You have your talk therapy in your toolbox, but you also have EMDR. And I like to say that kind of accelerates the healing or give a, an, another space to help the healing um, happen. But then you also talked about having a group practice and you named some numbers like you 18, 22. What was the, the numbers? 
currently I have 18 clinicians who work for me and four operational team members. Right. And then you, for our pre-conversation, you also are continuing to hire, right? You, oh, yeah. You're not staying there, right? So then no. you're also growing and then you, you are also taking on clients and uh-huh. you have yeah. a course, right? Multiple streams of revenue. And That's then it. you also have your blog. Yes. Yeah. So you talk about more than therapy, right? And a four-year-old daughter. So I'm busy. And a four-year-old. Yes. So that is the true definition of what we plan to talk about here on more than therapy. So if we break that down, Mm -hmm. what I feel is most pertinent to our original conversation, how to not create trauma in your own business. I think some of talking about that is the team, because the easiest way to, to create trauma in your business is to attract those old people, attract your sister, attract your mother, attract, right? You, and next yeah. thing you know, your employees replicate your family. <laughs> I mean, that is definitely one way to replicate and reenact your childhood trauma without a doubt. I mean, I'm happy to talk a little bit more about that. I, I actually have not had that experience. Luckily, I don't. Attract- because you did your work. I did a lot of work, but there is still work to be done as we were talking about the pre-show because, you know, the way that I'm, well, the thing that I have learned, you know, running a a really big business, uh, you know, a multi seven figure business is, is this, I mean, who we are is the culture that happens in a small business. Now it's a little different Mm. when you get to that sort of $5 million to $10 million range and you've actively invested in changing the culture and have a very large operations team. But when you're still a small business, anywhere from, you know, one to 5 million, you Mm -hmm. as the founder, you as the founder really set the tone. And so while I haven't necessarily attracted operational team members that are anything like my family of origin, what I've certainly watched happen and happen even recently, as you and I were talking about, is some of my unresolved trauma around scarcity, fear, urgency, mm. right out and impact my team members. So yeah. I'm actually at the time of this recording, taking a really hard look at some of these patterns that I thought I was done with. But you know, <laughs> like, you know, when we get, we, we face the same content again and again at higher levels of awareness. So that's another way that I have personally um, experienced, um, you know, replicating trauma within, within the business. And I think it's just, we're going to do that in a lot of different ways. And it's the curiosity and the consciousness that we bring to uh, what we're doing in our businesses that really yeah. count. It's unavoidable yeah. to recreate it. It's just how curious and conscious can you be of it? Mm, yes. And I, I was sharing with you my story. That was me. I was hiring my sister, my brother, my mother, my. (laughs) So interesting, right? There's a lot of different ways you can look, right? Yes. And when you look at it and you see what you've created, and then I could blame, you know, those employees, but I know I attracted that. I know I created Mm -hmm. that because deep down in my soul, even though I work as a therapist, what I really want to do is heal my family, right? Oh, yeah. That's that's why I became a therapist. So yeah. I'm like, oh, let's have a really healthy family. That's that's my goal in life. But since that wasn't really happening, I was like, okay, well, let me just help the world. <laughs> right? Maybe other people can have healthy families. And then through that, though, yeah. And the great thing about it, though, is really you can't change anybody. They kind of live. They kind of live by through your example. So as you create the healing space for other people then your family sees that and they're like, oh, wow, 
I want some of that. You're like, oh, great. Here you go. You know, so and they may not they may not do it exactly the way you want them to do it, but it happens. And that is all that matters. I love that you're talking about like the power of modeling. Like what what is the impact we have when we do our own personal work? And I think that can absolutely show up and impact our family of origin. And I think it can show up and impact our employees as well. The more we do our own work, the more we have the chance to positively impact others. Yeah, absolutely. So you talked about having a large practice, continuing to hire, but still seeing some of your old patterns come up and you are taking responsibility and looking at how you can not replicate that in the future. So what do you see as having a multi seven figure business, your next level of success? Do you feel like there's some place for you to go next? Or do you feel like, okay, let's hold here. What, where do you feel like you're going next? Even having discovered what you created already. Well, it's not so much what do I feel I'm going to do next is what I know I'm going to do next. So oh, I do plan me. on. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. I have very clear growth goals. No, I, I do. I do intend to double the size of the center and get us up to 30 clinicians. That to me feels mm-hmm. like a sweet spot. I've never wanted to be like one of the venture capital backed big tech mm-hmm. tech pro mental health companies. That's not what I want. What I want is yeah. a very excellent boutique experience of high-end trauma clinicians. And so we're tracking towards that. But I think the more interesting question for me, at least, is um, it's not so much like, will we get there? It's like, yes, of course we will get there. But the how of we, how will we get there is the thing that I'm really focused on. Because again, in my own um, personal story, the how has always been as a lone wolf, grinding, mm working myself into exhaustion, working around the clock, like not relying on others, um, just muscling through. Now that did get me to a certain level of um, academic, professional, financial success in the world. It is also not sustainable and it's not sustainable for my staff either. Um, And so what I'm really curious about right now, both personally and professionally is, can you have success while having really (laughs) realistic, well-paced goals where everyone's boundaries Mm -hmm are accounted for, where everyone is getting their needs met, including the founder, not working herself, you know, through yeah. the weekends and in the early mornings. So I think it's a question of, um, like, can we be both successful, really well rested, really well nourished, really well taken care of? And that, frankly, is not something I've experienced before in my life. So that's mm-hmm. a new privilege for me. And I happen to have an extraordinary team that works alongside me. I love my operations team so much. And we're all in it together right? Like, yep. we, like we have a very deep, close relationship and we're taking a look at this together. Uh, and that yeah. feels almost like business therapy in a way. Exactly. I was going to say that that's exactly what we do at Presidential Lifestyle because financial therapy is about that. So in the financial therapy club, we work a lot with private practice business owners who are looking at that like either or thinking, right? Because what you just described yeah. is what we call either or thinking. Yeah. And what and you said can you where you corrected my language i'm correcting your language and like (laughs) it's more like how do you because yes you can i know you can and i've worked with people to get them there but it's how do you and what's so beautiful about it is that we all have our own formula for what that will look like yeah 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 and and i think i'm not sure folks in financial therapy experience this but um 
you know, it's kind of like, a, for me, it has felt like asking a fish, how's the water? Well, if water is the only thing the fish has ever known, it's like, what's it going to know differently, right? It's like, it hasn't had the contrast of air or land or anything like that. And so when my team questions like, Annie, we can get there and we can do it in a way that's more sustainable and that isn't mm -hmm. so fear-based or urgency-based. I'm like, I'm sorry, what? what? <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm literally trying to learn this and it, it feels yeah. a little silly to say, but I, I don't know if you've experienced this, but for, for me, nothing will bring up my own personal work more than running a business. I mean, mm -hmm. I, I've been with my husband for 12 years. I have a child, like, yes, lots of personal growth through both, both of those relationships, lots of personal growth and therapy, but where the rubber has really hit the road for me is in running a business. It will bring mm -hmm. up, it has, and continues to bring up so much material for me to look at and to heal and to work through. And I don't know if yeah. that's the case for you too. Yes. And not only for me, but Almost all of the people that I work with, that's where they it shows up the most for them. Yeah, um, I would say for me, the reason why it shows up so much for me is because similar to you, I had the hard work mentality, but I am helping people create mm -hmm. that harmony in their lives. So I have to practice what I preach. And that is our core. We have four core values and that is our second core value, which is practice what you preach. And the first one is oh. do your own work. So I noticed that it comes up more when I put my head down and go into the business and I'm not doing my work because the work is constant. Right. Yes. So if I get distracted by the business, because maybe there's a big launch or, you know, we're bringing on, you know, new people. And I'm like, well, let's just onboard people. And, oh, I can forget that for this week. I'll do it next week. And the next thing I know, it doesn't happen next week. And yeah. I'm like, oh, shoot, it's been four weeks and I haven't done my self-care. Right. So totally. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That's that's certainly one one way that we can see our patterns through our businesses. And, and then I would even say, like, if you're doing a launch, right, or as you're hiring, it's like, mm. What is the spirit? What is the pattern that you're bringing to that hiring, yep. to that, you know, um, to that launch? I mean, to me, this is where it's like the blessing and the curse of being a business owner, especially a conscious one is like, oh, you, you'll you have a lot to pay attention to. As you move. And you just said it, a conscious business owner. Let's go there. Sure. Yes, sure. Let's take that a little bit deeper. So when you say a conscious business owner, tell me more about that. Well, sure. I, I guess one of the things I think about is like, you know, if a staff member came to me and said, I am feeling so burned out by the urgent sort of DEF CON 5 culture that we have here on the team, <laughs> there's like a couple of choices. You could be um, the kind of leader who's like, you're not the right person for the team then, right? And like fire and find somebody who can tolerate that environment. Or you can be a person who maybe a, a kind of business owner who's like, wow, you're an A player, you're a star player, and I care about you deeply. If you're giving me that feedback, and if I've heard that feedback from others, there's probably something here I should pay attention to. Mm -hmm. You know, what, what can we do? What can I do to address this for my team to preserve their well being while still making sure we hit our goals, right? Yes. Like that to me is the difference. Somebody who doesn't just say, well, you're the problem, right? Let's replace you, yes. or somebody who's willing to get curious. And I would say to operate in a non-patriarchal framework where mm -hmm. it does take into account the other and the other's experience and values, yeah. right? And places yeah. profits a lot of times. Yes. Yep. That is such, that's so good because what I am hearing, what I heard you say is that you're listening, right? It's like, you're not just, you're not just always the one talking and ruling and tyrannical over the business you're listening 
Mm -hmm. Right. And, and being willing to be influenced by the other. Right. I mean, uh, we can think about this with a marriage or a friendship. It's like if one person gets to dictate the terms, that's not a relationship. That's a dictatorship. Right. Mm -hmm. So who is a conscious leader? Well, one who is maybe willing to be influenced by the other in their business and to yeah. not necessarily say it's my way or else, but to rather account for the differences in temperament and personality and yeah. lifestyle references and be be willing to be influenced by messages you hear not not to necessarily be the scapegoat of your own business but rather yeah. to be curious about your work the way you're contributing and to see if there's some sort of um collective effort that can be made that gets everyone's needs met yeah and there ha has to be somebody in the business besides you that you trust because yeah. if you're not listening if you're not willing to take the feedback then they're really what you're saying is that you don't trust your your team members. Correct. And I happen to, you know, I love my clinicians dearly and the, the people I'm in the most contact with are my operations team. And I happen to love each one of them very, very much as a person and trust them all implicitly. So mm. I feel like I've created a kind of work family and work culture where that trust exists. And when that trust consists, exists and the container is strong enough, a lot of this work can take place, right? Mm. Like a lot Feedback can be said, hard things can be discussed, emotions can come up as well as tactics if the container is strong enough. And that's yeah. how I operate in running my businesses. Yeah, and that's so powerful that you say that because the we we run therapy businesses and the therapy is happening even inside. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I was, I was yeah. joking with my um center's practice manager earlier today. I'm like, oh, we have a business therapy relationship, you know. <laughs> such an agent of my own personal change work and certainly me for her it's it's really beautiful and it's atypical i would say this is not corporate america at all this is very much heart-centered but also rigorous mm -hmm. and business ownership yep so you said that you were clear and you know where the business is going yeah. i want to talk to you a little bit about the challenge to get there so oh, yeah. we the five we talk about five most common challenges you tell me if you have one of these or if there is something else so we often talk about technology like not utilizing technology enough not you not having the right marketing messaging or mm -hmm. um operations which you have it sounds like you have a strong operations team um finances like not looking at the numbers don't know where the money is coming in or how fast it's going out and then the last one we talk about a lot is values not not really having a clear vision and value system in the business so do you think you have any challenges with those or is it something else that might be a block to getting to that next level well i mean that's a really great question i mean i i love what you identified i would say there are sort of two things one is loosely what you spoke about with regards to marketing. And certainly I'm not sure when our conversation will be airing, but right now we are in the midst of a very big website launch where I've articulated our center's brand positioning, our niche, mm -hmm. our values more clearly than ever before. I'm actually really excited to see what happens after that comes out into the world to see if that actually helps sort of um, fulfill a bit of a, a, a marketing gap that we've had historically. Mm -hmm. um, really understanding who we are and being attracted to us because of who we are. Right. Uh, similarly, candidates, clinician candidates. Um, Ooh, but yeah. I, mm -hmm. I would say, yeah, that's, that's, so there's, tw there's twin pillars in, in a therapy center. It's like, you want to attract the clients, of course, but you also want to attract the right kind of staff members as well. So yep. I, 
um, marketing messaging is, is critical and integral to both of those things. You know, it's interesting. I would actually say that the biggest um, barrier to growth that I foresee right now is not any of the five that you mentioned, but rather it's a six, which is being willing and able to make the right kind of investments to facilitate that mm. next growth. Um, it's, I've been thinking about it as foundationing at, for a different level. And um, yep. as somebody who grew up extremely poor and who was the first in her family to go to college, uh, certainly very much self-made. Um, and, you know, I, I can say that we lived in poverty for a portion of my childhood. Uh, my relationship to money and making investments back into my company mm -hmm. has, or either of my companies, has always been a bit of a barrier for me because um, of deeply rooted scarcity beliefs, like have to cling yeah. on to any because there won't be more coming and you'll end up on the street, um, which is not the case. And, <laughs> and yet I still watch myself not make hires um, until maybe, I, I don't want to say until it's too late, but definitely longer than it should. Yeah. I actually think for me, there's, there's mindset work and strategic hires uh, as well as investing more into the culture of the business that will help get us to that next level of growth. Um, yeah. So those are the three things I'm, I'm primarily focused on. I know my numbers really well. Um, our operations- But that still are falls under finance. That still falls under fi our finance. Yeah, so that, that, yeah. that mindset work, finances, investments, you're correct. So maybe that does really yeah. fit there. Yeah, yeah. And but that is such great insight because just knowing that allows you to either get a guide that helps you in that area or tell your team or hire somebody around you that's going yes. to help you. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. Which I did. <laughs> yeah. I was, like, I was like, okay, I need I need some help. And so I, I hired someone. She's she's really extraordinary and she's providing me with the tools and the coaching to understand like financial forecasting and uh, timelines for investments and things that show me the black and white data to help soothe that sort of um, young scared part of me. Uh, so yeah. Like I said, the, your personal work is just always coming up. <laughs> coming up in the business. I know. And I'm so glad you took out the time from, what did I name? Seven different things that you have on your plate right now. So we are so grateful for this conversation because it's so pertinent. And I know so many people can benefit from just hearing it because there's somebody at 1 million who's like, I'll never get to the, you know, three or five or whatever billion mark or somebody at a hundred thousand. That's like, I have no idea where to go next. And just hearing your story lets them know that one, they're not alone. And two, that it's a process, right? Because that's what I heard you say. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it is a process. I mean, I've been at all those numbers, right? And so, right. That, you know, I'm like, oh, yeah, I remember that. I remember that. And the thing <laughs> is, it's like the same stuff comes up at every single level. It just yep. comes up in a bigger way with different levels of awareness and possibly different tools to deal with it. Yep. Um, and so, one of the things I always say is like, don't become a business owner if you don't like solving problems all the time, because it's not like we get to a certain number, like even this mythical seven figures or multi seven figures, the problems still keep coming. Like if yeah. you don't like solving problems, if you don't feel passion and mission for your business, you know, it's a lot of work, yeah. uh, but, but it has the opportunity to be really, really transformative on a personal level too. Yeah. Yep. Really. And so many. Yeah, so many levels. It's like it can it transforms you and just like the meaning that life has for you, 
but it sounds like it's also transforming you. Like you wouldn't get a lot of this. The work wouldn't happen as fast, right? Maybe when you were 60, 70, you'd be like, oh, all these, you know, lessons I've learned. But because you own a business, you're like, bam, bam, learn it, learn it, learn it, learn it. Whether I like it or not some mornings, goodness gracious. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Kind of like the the sort of like um the black belt route here, you know, sometimes. Yeah. Um, and I wouldn't have it any other way because I'm never, ever bored. And this is what I signed up for. And I love what I do. I love what I do. Yes. So we always put in the description of the videos how to reach out to you. But you can tell us. I know you said you have a new website. So you can tell us what your new website is, but it'll be, people will be able to click on it in the description. But tell us about your new website. You also talked about a course, and I know we don't have a lot more time, but if you want to talk a little bit about your course and then tell people how they can reach you. Definitely, definitely. So I'm definitely um, a multi-hyphenate in terms of a career, in terms of all the things I do. So there's a couple places to find me online. There's my my primary website, AnnieWright.com. That's where you'll get to experience my mental health writing. You can certainly learn more about my clinical work. And you can also be taken to the link to my course, which is called Hard Families, Good Boundaries. Now that is a psychoeducational online course um, that anyone can sign up for. It's on an evergreen funnel. And um, it's really designed to help people with very difficult, challenging people in their life, usually dysfunctional families of origin, learn how to cope with those relationships, set healthy boundaries, learn healthy communication skills, and more. It was a way that I packaged my work to um, expand beyond the borders of California to those who might need it. Because obviously, as a licensed mental health professional, I can only see clients in California. Oh, so yes. You got to say more there. <laughs> oh, okay. Absolutely. That is the number one thing that I get questions on. Well, I would say number two, pricing is probably number one. And then number two is, well, how do I do that if I live in, you know, in this state and I'm licensed in this state? So talk about that. Okay, well, then I think we have to talk about logistics because I am a rule follower. So I I actually, when I keep referring to my companies, I have two companies. I have an LLC. And I have my S-Corp. My S-Corp is Evergreen Counseling, which again, www.evergreencounseling.com is my therapy center. Um, It's actually where and how I conduct my own clinical work. uh, Because as a clinician licensed in California, I only see people in California. We do that at the center as well. So I run all of my clinical income, um, all of my clinical work through the S-Corp. I set up a separate LLC because um, again, I've been writing for a long time. I have Uh, 15,000 people on my mailing list, readers from all over the world. And a lot of people wanted to work with me, um, but I couldn't because I, they don't live in California and also maybe couldn't afford my fees as a therapist. So in summer 2020, um, I, I basically, I created my first course. It's the only course I've ever created that was uh, essentially, I would not, it's basically a starter course. It's not the signature course that I ultimately Mm -hmm. developed that has my entire relational trauma recovery framework, but it's more like a very hearty sample of my work that teaches people who come from, again, backgrounds where they were raised by mood or personality disordered parents or have a lot of family dysfunction to mm-hmm. that more effectively and to, and to still, um, and to do their own personal work. So I developed that course and run that through my LLC with very clear guidelines. This is not psychotherapy. I am not mm-hmm. your therapist. I, I am a teacher. This is psychoeducational mm-hmm. and only. And so that's a very important logistical issue that people need to consider. If you are a clinician with a mental health license, keep that completely separate from anything you do in terms of courses, et cetera, maybe even consider setting up a separate business structure for it. Um, 
sure, it's more work to, you know, file a couple different returns for taxes, et cetera, but it's a lot cleaner and it's a way that you can start to package your expertise and reach more people more broadly. So I'm, yeah. I've had a wonderful experience with it. I think over 150 students globally have gone through the course at this point. Um, mm. And I have plans for a lot more too at, at some juncture. Yeah. And it's so beautiful though. Cause I like that you started with, I'm a rule follower, right? Because oh, yeah. people, the people who are listening, who have that objection, they are rule followers. That's why they're saying, I don't think I can do this. And so to hear it from somebody <laughs> just like them. <laughs> yeah. I'm afraid of getting in trouble. Let's, let's just, <laughs> I, I had, you know, lawyers govern my contracts, my disclaimers, like all of the things, right. Mm -hmm. um, so I think there's a way as therapists, we have the capacity and the potentiality to do some really extraordinary creative work in the world beyond the scope of our clinical license. And the challenge is finding sort of the, the legal structures or the legal details that you need to have in place in order yep. to do that, you know, legally and ethically. Um, and, and yet it's not insurmountable. It really isn't. Yep. Exactly. And what you're describing is something that takes a choice, like you have to make a choice, right? I'm going to make a choice to do this the right way because I really want to do it, first of all. So yeah. you're talking to two different people, the people yeah. who are the rebels who are like, I'm just going to do it anyway. And who cares? Right. You're They're hearing you saying, okay, I'm, there is some, it's an easy way to follow the rules. It takes a little extra step, but yes. it is not that hard. Then, well, yeah. Yeah. Then I, the people who you have, if you worked, uh, if you paid that much money for your graduate degree and worked that hard for your license, I'd want you to protect it. Exactly. Right. And right before you, our last conversation was with an intellectual property attorney. And Man. one of the things she talked about is that she wouldn't really make a living if she was just like doing the um, prevention stuff, putting things in place for clinicians or whoever, business owners overall. She makes a living helping them fix their mistakes. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> Interesting. I know, right? <laughs> oh my gosh, I'm gonna have to listen to that recording. That'll be really cool. Yeah, I'll send it to you when we get done. But it's so funny that that that's the perspective. It's like if you just do these things up front, you put a few things in place up front, you can protect yourself down the line. And because you just don't know what that is down the line, at least just do the extra step to put the thing in place. You don't want to know. You, you know, know. I, I just consider it foundationing for a different level. And sometimes foundationing means more work and less money up front. But once you have that foundation mm -hmm. in place to build upon, boy, boy, you can feel good about that sound structure. Yep, exactly. Mm. And there, and that's where we leave you, right there. <laughs> Thank you so much. I am. I got so much out of this. So I know everybody else did too. So Aww. thank you for all the insight. You are so welcome. I am delighted. I could literally talk to you for another hour. This was so much fun and you touched on literally all of my favorite topics. So thank you so much for having me. You're welcome. I'm so glad we had this conversation. We'll definitely have to have more. And I'll make sure we put in the description of this video how people can reach out, find your course, but also just find out more about you because we have listeners that are therapists and private practice business owners. But I'm sure that our viewers will also, because I think that therapists can benefit from seeing what you did just by following it, right? Just click on, take your course, see what you did. And the best way to get some experience is to experience it. 
I would love that. I would love that. Yeah. Consider me a model, poke around on my website, test things out, see how I've done it. I'm not saying it's the best, but it's a way of doing it. And I'd welcome mm -hmm. anybody coming over and just kind of perusing around. But that's even more reason because if, if they can see like, oh, there was a little thing here and that, oh, this, I can do this, right? It's like, it's not about, about, about being perfect, which you know in the therapeutic <laughs> industry. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. No, no, no. And, and I think, you know, a, a piece that I'm aware of, too, is when I started doing all this back in spring 2015, I mean, my supervisors thought the BBS was going to come after me. They didn't want me to be the horror story. Like, to be a, a therapist with a lot of creative impulses and a lot of creative product in the world is still yeah. relatively new, even in 2020. Yeah. And so yeah. if I can serve as a model uh, to other clinicians of like how you might be able to do this, both your clinical work, run a, you know, form a center, uh, have a, a, a workshop, like be published in, in press and media, by all means, I'm happy to be an example. Yes. Thank you for being a good example. And I will talk with you very soon to see how the growth is going. And I'm so proud of you. Thank you so much. That means a lot to me. Thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. All right, guys. Thank you guys for staying all the way to the end, soaking up this juicy wisdom. We will see you next week.